Hello everybody and welcome to episode 127 of Operation Retroshock. I am one of your hosts, Alan Price, and back alongside me, as always, is... Oh yes, hello, I'm Chris Mint. I'm not anything to Alan today, I'm just a co-host. Do you know, Alan, what we were doing this time eight years ago? This time eight years ago, I think I did spot something, so I should probably know this, but I'll let you go ahead. Uh, We were actually up... um, because we were VIP for Fozzie. Wow. That was eight years ago to the very day. And I wrote, great night at the Fozzie gig. Belfast were rocked by Fozzie. And always great to hang out with my great friends and Alan. I just, sir, don't be crying. And you went too late. I cried. You did cry. Yeah, I cried. Yeah, so they do say <coughs> sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will harm you forever. So. They, they do. Yeah, they so sorry to bring it up again. I, so. I still cry myself to sleep at night eight years later. At least that's the way to get to sleep. <laughs> at least you have a routine now anyway. so No counting sheep, just crying. No, exactly. Just counting how many years it's been hurting you. So. <laughs> but yes, welcome everybody to episode 127 27 of Operation Retroshock. We haven't done this for a while. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of Retroshock news for you all, everybody. So if you're not familiar with how we uh, do things with Retroshock news, basically Chris picks a few articles that have took his interest over the last couple of weeks from when we've done our last episode. Now, it has been more than a couple of weeks since our last Retroshock news. That's news for you, folks. But we have uh, basically tried to keep everything fairly recent, so we have. But Chris picks a few, I pick a few. And then we just shoot the breeze, so to say, and give our thoughts on each of these news articles. And we'll give you a little bit of info on each one as we go. Uh, first of all, before we do continue, I do apologise if my voice is not 100% everybody. I have come straight from an ice hockey game where I was shouting my head off. Uh, so I might be a wee bit huskier. Yeah. Well, um, I kind of had that last time because I was getting towards the tail end of my cold and it did sound like, you know, whenever Phoebe was singing Smelly Cat and been like, you know, it had a real husky voice. It'd be like, uh, you know, like, okay, so yeah, that's, that, that's fine. But uh, hopefully it isn't too bad for you all. But uh, before we get stuck into our articles, we'll get the plugs out of the way. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can on Twitter. Just search for at RetroShockPod. You can just send us a regular tweet or our DMs are open as well if you want to send us a bit of a longer message. Just let us know if there's anything you would like to see uh, brought up on the show down the line, be it movies, TVs, video games, comics, whatever, you name it, and it could possibly be up to be on a future episode of the show. You can also get in touch with us on Facebook, just search Operation Retroshock on there. And you can also email Chris at... Vinto316 at gmail.com And if you feel so inclined, if you enjoy the show, uh, leave us a little review on iTunes, uh, not Spotify, we're hoping to get on Spotify, Uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, all those lovely places. And if you're in America, we can't access the American side of things, so feel free to take a screen grab and send us it, and uh, it would be very much appreciated. It would be, yes. So, will we get stuck in, Chris? We will. So, first up, on our uh, lineup here today, and it's probably one of the bigger uh, news articles of the last week or so, and that is that Ryan Coogler has signed on to write and direct the Black Panther sequel. So this is from The Hollywood Reporter. The filmmaker behind the $1.3 billion hit is expected to begin penning the follow-up next year, say sources. Ryan Coogler is going back to Wakanda. Sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that the filmmaker behind Marvel's landmark Black Panther has quietly closed a deal to write and direct the sequel. While the move was expected, Marvel wanted to keep the creative team 
as intact as possible and the sequel was never in any real doubt the timing was always unclear though yeah um, the one thing that kind of annoys me well it doesn't annoy me but I really wish that this kind of stuff they would keep until after like the new Avengers movie because obviously we know that we're going to have Spider-Man back you know because we have Spider-Man far from home and then Spider-Man further away from home and Spider-Man he's on the moon because he's that far away from home <laughs> but with Black Panther obviously we know this you know now so as much as you know that some things are going to happen and some characters are going to come back from the new Avengers movie at the same time you kind of think oh well I'd rather not know who's going to come back and who's not, and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I, I, it makes sense that they're going to bring him back after the success of the first Black Panther. I mean, $1.3 I mean, that's just that's just scary. Um, and how well received it was. So it's nice that they're bringing them, trying to keep the creative team as in tune as what it was for the original one. So I'm happy enough with that. And interesting to see if we're going to have an even bigger... Um, spectacle yeah than we did with the first one because like we've talked about before how beautifully filmed it was and how everything was just you know so lovely to watch and it'd be interesting to see if they really ramp those visuals up for the second one as well absolutely um I don't think there was any doubt that Marvel was going to do their damnedest to uh, keep the whole team intact behind Black Panther considering the sheer success it had um It'll be interesting to see how the next Creed movie pans out in this regard because, of course, uh, Ryan Coogler's team was a big part in the first one of those movies. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Ryan Coogler is now quite a key part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and uh, he is not directing the second Creed. So whether that will show you the impact of maybe not keeping a team together, yeah, maybe. I'm hoping for Creed 2 to be good. But uh, oh yeah, uh, you never know. It uh, It's best to try and keep a team together basically mm-hmm. um but i completely get your point that we're in this sort of weird limbo point mm-hmm. of the cinematic universe of marvel in that uh we've seen so many of these characters become dust um really if you haven't seen it by now you should probably <laughs> yep. um be keeping yourself off the internet or just watching it in general but once you saw t'challa go to dust and it isn't that long after black panther came out and you saw the numbers that black panther did mm-hmm. you're just like yeah there's no chance yeah. marvel is ever throwing this character away, oh yeah yeah totally. um you know and letting him stay dead mm-hmm. or whatever um same with spider-man spider-man was well received tom holland has been received probably the best when it comes to playing spider-man yeah mm-hmm. and peter parker together so, you know, they're not going to get rid of him. And, of course, we see the filming going on at the minute for Far From Home, as you say, um, with some interesting characters involved. If you uh, are looking at certain pictures on the internet, um, spoiler-wise, <laughs> it means somebody else comes back, but I'm not going to say it on here. But, yeah, this is great news. And I think anybody that enjoyed Black Panther a great deal is going to be pretty over the moon. Oh, yeah. With yeah, us. Totally. Totally. Um, my first bit of news is from Entertainment World, and because we're talking about Avengers, we'll talk about Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, who obviously I totally forgot that she was in Creed. Yes. Yeah, I totally forgot. And then whenever I told my friend Johnny about like Valkyrie is in Creed, that's his 
main squeeze and we're like oh I didn't even know it was her so they hit the desert in the new Men in Black spin-off photo Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson should start their own coven because they're looking chic enough to join the witches in American Horror Story the pair who first co-starred in Thor Ragnarok hit the slopes of desert slopes that is in a new set photo from their Men in Black spin-off Agent M Thompson leads Agent H Hemsworth on excursion that apparently requires them to look Elegant AF and black suits, black shades and black umbrellas. As Thompson put it on Instagram, they are buds in black. So there's just like a picture of them on the desert wearing the, you know, Classic traditional men in, men in black suits with umbrellas and shades on. Directed by F. Gary Gray. Um, the new Men in Black will take audiences to the London headquarters of MIB, the secret global organisation that handles everything in Liam Neeson portrays the head of London MIB, while Emma Thompson will return as chief of the MIB organisation. Um, Agent O additional characters will be played by Rebecca Ferguson and Rife Rafe's Ball. Yeah. Ball yeah. Uh, the film is currently scheduled for theatres on June 14th, 2019. So, it's not a bad cast. It's not, but obviously we have Men in Black, and so... Obviously, we'll have a man and a woman, so technically, we're still going to have men in black. That's probably the way it's going to be, or whatever like that. So, is it something for you, Alan, that's needed? I mean, we probably enjoyed the first two men in black. I haven't seen the third one. Oh, don't. Oh, don't? Okay. Is is this like Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, were they? I'm not saying MIB 3 is an absolutely terrible movie. Mm Mm-hmm. But when you stack it up, especially against the original, okay. you're just like, mm, boys, you know, because obviously, again, spoiler talk here from MIB, mind you've had enough years, folks, <laughs> you know, the whole thing of the first Men in Black is, and we might have to do an episode on this sometimes, it would be a good one to mm-hmm. go back and talk about, but, you know, Kay retires at the end of yeah. that and gets his mind wiped. Two, they're like, oh, we need to bring Kay back, they bring him back, and then number three is like, oh, let's go and meet young Kay back in the past. Oh. You know, so they'll keep revisiting a well, so to okay. say, and kind of keep pushing it. But I'm intrigued because we're kind of getting a fresh slate here. So we are, I thought Thompson and Helmsworth had great um, humour together and chemistry in Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. So having the two of them together here in Men in Black is an absolute plus for me. Uh that's the first I've heard the news that Liam Neeson is going to be the boss yeah. of the uh, London branch of MIB. I wonder, wonder if he's going to put, if he's going to have his traditional Balmain accent or whether he's going to have a London accent. For I'd say he will stick to his normal. Yeah, because I, I can't. I, I don't think I've ever heard him put on a different accent. No, uh, it's the same as uh, Sean Connery in like Hunt for Red October, and he's meant to be playing a Russian, a submarine captain, <laughs> yeah. and he is still good old Scottish mm-hmm. Sean Connery. But no, intrigued for this one indeed. It'll be interesting to see how connected they maybe try and keep it. Mm-hmm. Whether you get maybe like a brief cameo of Will Smith's character or whatever, kind of because they're talking about there's the connection with yeah. the head of the US MIB yeah. and all there. Whether you might see him in the background of a shot or kind of chirping in over a communication or, or whatever. They say something like Donald Trump's an alien or something like they did with like. Michael Jackson and what have you. You never know what they could come up with this. But, um, yeah, I'm up for it. I don't know. What about you? It's, it's something that just I just noticed. And I'm, it's not something that you've heard people talk about. You know, it's 
a trilogy of movies that seems to be one that's kind of forgotten about. Whenever you ask people, you know, like, oh, you know, like, I want to watch a movie. Nobody will go, like, oh, watch the first Men in Black, you know, because it was great back in the day. Oh, yeah. I, I still remember the pit wherever your woman's giving birth and then the tank tentacles are bashing him off the car. And yeah. like, hurry up and just catch it. Um, and push the little red button. Yeah, but it, it's, it's, an, it's a nice movie, but it's one that, you know would be way down my list that if I was given movies to watch I'd yeah. be like way down there but I still I still find it and you know crazy looking back and I didn't know this until not too long ago but uh, the alien character in the first MIB the kind of the cockroach guy mm-hmm. is played by Vincent D'Onofrio so Kingpin from oh, Daredevil okay. and mm-hmm. I was just like wow I would not have realised that yeah. looking back it's those crazy things when you look back at older movies and People have maybe become a bit more prominent, yeah, yeah. you know, later in their career. Mm. So they have, but fair to say, we're intrigued enough. Yeah, yeah. I'll wait and see what the trailer um, says. You know what the trailer shows when yes. it comes out. I'd, which say, may we'll, lead I'd say we'll you, get one before the end of the year. Yeah, which may lead you on to your next subject. Indeed, uh, no real article to talk about in regards to this, but uh, basically, we're gonna have a quick chat here about the Aladdin teaser trailer that came out during the week should I really say teaser trailer maybe more of an announcement trailer yeah because the poster probably gave more away than the trailer did yes the trailer just showed you that like uh, like cat mouth thing and then just like the rocks go down and then is it the cave of wonder something, something like, like that, that because I was like what? why is that that really deep voice and I was like oh that's why I think it might be the original voice from the animated I'm not 100% see, sure see I was wondering if they would get the original voice I can't remember the guy's name um, but the guy who voiced Jafar's bird oh yes like as in you know feather bird not like his lady or whatever just yes. in case you're wondering um, but him because obviously with the likes of the Lion King we have James Earl Jones back as I don't know was that Frank Welker I can't remember it wasn't Frank Welker it was it was fairly you, someone prominent have you ever watched Look Who's Talking you know the, yes. the guy with the, the eyes but like why you do that over there exactly. I can't remember his name but I know that uh, Troy Troy Baker does a really good impersonation of him, but I cannot think of what his name is. I will look it up while we're talking while you're talking but no, about him. You know, we get some general visuals of kind of like the uh, desert and a fairly far away shot of the kind of the main kingdom that uh, we're used to from the animated series. Now you don't get the best of shots with it, but because it's still fairly far away. But it'll be interesting to see in a full trailer just you know what they've went for properly style wise but then it does lead as you say to that shot outside and Gilbert just, Gottfried that's who it is that's him there yes you're as right. soon as I saw the face I was yeah. just like yeah I should have remembered that mm. um, but you get that shot outside I'm still going to just call it the Cave of Wonder I might be wrong okay um, but if you stop the trailer there you actually get a very good silhouetted shot of Jafar mm-hmm. so you, and he's standing there and like the cartoon version of Jafar, there's that big lone feather yeah. on his cap and the kind of the snake head kind of cobra staff okay. that he has looks pretty accurate mm-hmm. to the cartoon version. So it seems like they're definitely not going to shy away from trying to connect this fairly heavily to the style at least the big, of the cartoon. The big thing about this is how is Will Smith going to live up to Robin Williams oh boy because <laughs> like Will Smith is you know like 
he's a very vibrant and very uh, energetic person. He's a funny man. And if he, yeah, he's very funny as well. Like if you watch like his YouTube stuff and all that kind of stuff. But Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Men in Black. See how it all ties together. Hey. Um, but yeah, but Robin Williams had led such an iconic genie role. I mean, like how how do you follow that is like you that is like your man following the steps of Harrison Ford of Han Solo. It's pretty daunting, but at the same time, he must have felt that he could put his own stamp on it and make this kind of his for yeah. a new generation yeah. of people. So, what are your thoughts on the two of them? No. He would have to be fairly confident, I would say. I wouldn't think he would step in and take the role if he wasn't confident mm. that he could try at least and live up a bit to Robin Williams' role. Um, I watched, there's a documentary that's not out too long about Robin Williams and it kind of follows you through his career. And you get to see some really cool behind-the-scenes footage that has never appeared on any of the movie's DVDs, Blu-rays, whatever. So you got to see snippets from like Mrs. Doubtfire mm. and all. Remember the scene in Mrs. Doubtfire where uh, she's talking about her husband, you know, dying at the drink and the wife's like... Oh, hit by a Guinness oh, truck. Oh, oh, he was an alcoholic and she's yeah. like, no, he got hit by a Guinness truck, as yeah. you say. Um, and it's the different takes on that, mm-hmm. on the different kind of off-the-cuff that he came up with as the reasoning mm-hmm. why the husband died of alcohol. But then you also saw stuff from his recording sessions of Aladdin. Oh, okay. And I think there's something like, there's enough audio clips off Robin Williams on file that they could have nearly made like three different versions of the script you wow. know for the original Aladdin movie just taking stuff out and putting mm-hmm. stuff in because the sheer amount of content he gave them it will it's it is probably the one part of the movie I'm concerned about yeah is because as you say Robin Williams was such a key part of that original movie um but I'm happy to give it a go see what happens I think the first proper trailer will be the decider for a lot of people Mm -hmm. when they first see Will Smith on there as the genie. If they decide to pull the trigger on the first trailer, I would be shocked if they didn't. Um, But yeah, it'll probably be the decider for most. I thought what we got to see at the end of the trailer, though, Mm -hmm. gave you just enough of a glimpse of what to expect from the movie, where you got to see just that shot of Aladdin reaching up Mm-hmm. towards the lamp on top very Indiana Jones-esque yeah. yeah that she'd always got that feeling from the whole Cave of Wonder thing in the mm-hmm. because once he lifts it and he does the runner everything starts collapsing yeah. and you know it is typical Indiana Jones there um, but definitely I think for me I'm interested in it but I definitely want to see that first trailer mm-hmm. because this as I said is pretty much an announcement trailer you do not get much from it at all yeah because we actually had more from the Dumbo trailer than we did for this. And Dumbo's coming out, I think, sometime after Aladdin, if memory serves. Mm. And obviously we have Mary Poppins coming out Mary this Poppins? Year. Yeah, with, you know, having Dick Van Dyke in it and Angela Lansbury and so forth. Fair play to Dick Van Dyke. Oh, yeah, yeah. But to, to look remarkably different in it is a big um, thing as well. So, right. That one. What have we got next, Christopher? So, yeah, I just wanted this is from the reputable source called Daily Star. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. Um, You're being very generous. I know. Um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about, um, obviously with a lot of games, say like Call of Duty, um, Black Ops 4, Battlefield, etc., will release betas to try 
and make sure that everything is running smoothly before the game is released. Now normally they do this months upon mo- months upon months, but the Fallout 76 beta will be able be, will be available for fans the video game to try it early. So the game is actually coming out November 14th. If you're an Xbox One user, you get access to this on October 23rd. Mm-hmm. If you're on the PlayStation, you get access to this on October 30th. Wow. So Beta stands for Break It Early Test Application. Mm-hmm. So, the, the Bethesda have said, during the beta, one of our primary goals is to stress test and break the game. As such, the servers will not be running 24-7. Instead, they'll be online during targeted time frames so we can get as many people as possible playing at the same time. Why? Because that's the best way to put all our systems to the test and see how they respond. But, how could you possibly... Release this and then within a two-week window, fix this. It's ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, as you kind of said, the whole point of beta testing is to test everything early. Yeah. Um, so two weeks isn't giving yourself much wiggle room no. in this. Um, I can get the idea of doing like targeted time frame testing in that you're putting it online for everybody after they're done with work or whatever, that sort of stuff. Uh, the Gran Turismo uh, beta before it came out was fairly similar. It was like, you know, between 3 and 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. in the evening, so it was. So uh, they could get the most people onto the servers at that time to see just how strong their servers could handle things. But it's you are like two weeks if a load of people go on there and it just completely, um, how to say this politely, uh, breaks, breaks, yeah, yeah. breaks itself. I was, I've, I was going another direction, but oh, I know, well what saved, you, I, Chris. yeah, I know well what you're trying to, but uh, yeah. well saved. But it's not giving you a great deal of time to pull in the resources required because it's not even necessarily if so many people go on and your servers go up mm. the left. And you don't have enough to uh, cope with the amount of people. What if all these people go on and intrinsically the game goes wrong? Yeah. That the game itself, not just the servers, the game itself, something deep down in its coding is wrong. Mm -hmm. Two weeks is not going to give you that amount of time. Whether you have a huge team or not, to sort that. And the amount of times nowadays we see... uh, Day one patches, well, that's, day two patches, day well, three that's, patches. That's the same as Call of Duty. I don't know if you're aware, but Call of Duty, we were able to sell from six o'clock on a Thursday yeah. because it's all online and you had a 50, 100 gig install plus a 50 gig day one update. That's so nuts. you had to get that done before you were able to play. Now, the servers didn't go live until 12 o'clock, yeah. but to make that announcement, you know, maybe... A couple of days before and it's the same as apparently red dead redemption has like a huge install and a huge day one Aye. update you know and whenever you think red dead is going to be apart from Sp- spider-man did great this year and i'm so happy that it did because it was a phenomenal game and i've really enjoyed playing it but red dead's a different kettle of fish because it's rockstar and there's more on that later but um like our pre-orders for that are m- you know, so much more than the likes of Fallout and the likes of Battlefield and things like that. I think this isn't more like a beta. I think this is more a case of 
they've seen that it hasn't done well maybe and then this is their way of saying if you pre-order you get access to this and kind of try before you die try before, before you, you die <laughs> try before you die but try before you buy but I think it's been getting a lot of negative press I think that's one thing that Nintendo seem to be doing a lot better is that they have demos on the marketplace for you mm. to try whereas you're not able to get that on the likes of you don't get that many now on Xbox or PlayStation yeah you know the days of the demo are kind of long gone yeah. and PlayStation magazine or whatever we got this disc and it had like a half a dozen or more uh, well, different to be, titles to be fair by the time that magazine came out the games have been out <laughs> like about four years this you know so but no it's everything I've seen in regards to this Fallout kind of massively multiplayer online game doesn't really appeal to me a great deal. It does look like they're going for that proper, you know, again, that age-old microtransaction style thing going on now. I know they're saying, I think, that they're going, or at least going to try and go like the Fortnite route with what you can buy isn't, like, game advancing mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. It's skins and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But it's still, there's too many companies for me going this route now. And yeah. I think Assassin's Creed's fairly come in for the flag of it this last couple of weeks as well, since Assassin's Creed's come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's still for me whether it's a late test or an early test, you need to do it a bit more than two weeks for me. Yep. Out. Yeah, I agree with you. Okie dokie then. Moving on. Uh, again, no real article to talk about this. I'll just throw it out there into the ether. The first image of Ruby Rose as Batwoman. Do you have any thoughts? Um, it looked. The way they'd done it looked very comic book esque. Yes. You know, like it did look like that would be the front page of a Batwoman comic. Um it's hard to distinguish that it's her, you know, um, because obviously you have a mask and everything like yeah. that. It's not like Batman where you really see the eyes and you see the mouth. You kinda see her mouth and that's really all you kinda see the hair. Yeah. But obviously Ruby Rose um, who plays her is probably be known more to people from Orange is New Black. But I've heard people saying that she's an actress who has grown as she has been in different Series things. You know, movies, she'll yeah. start here and be pretty green and then go into this. So go on the Orange is New Black, be quite good, and then go into Batwoman and then be good with that. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes, but I'm in, more interested to see how she interacts with. Uh, the other characters you know that's probably the big thing because you've seen the likes of other characters like Brandon Wright obviously was Superman and then obviously we had Wentworth Miller and Prison Break and you know we had so many different people from different things that you somebody will go oh I know them from such and such and it's the same with her because of how popular Orange is the New Black is so that may bring more people in to the DC Universe because of that so yeah um, yeah, I'm interested to see where where it goes and if with the likes of Gotham now coming to an end like next year, whether we get a series for her or whether it's a case of maybe she gets a series and then they stop Black Lightning because I don't know how popular the first season of that was. I've still to work my way through that. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of Marvel stuff. And again, we'll probably touch on one of the Marvel because I've got one bit of news left, but we'll probably talk a bit more about that later on. But um, there's a lot of Marvel stuff that, again, they seem to be cranking out so many, at, you know, and then it starts adding up of what you have to watch. And then yeah. one one 
then turns into four because I've still watched season two of Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, and the rest of Black Lightning. Yeah, that's I'm I'm fairly the same. I haven't watched either season of Luke Cage. I watched or oh, and the Punisher. Sorry. Um, I haven't watched either series of Luke Cage. I watched the first series of Jessica Jones. Watched the first episode of Number Two, and I was just like, "Nope, cheers, bye." <laughs> uh, I've watched both of Daredevil. I've watched Defenders. Mm-hmm. Neither of Iron Fist, uh, which is another story later mm-hmm. on. Um, I've watched The Punisher, so I'm probably maybe batting just under five hundred mm-hmm. when it comes to the Marvel TV stuff. But back to DC. <laughs> Um, I thought the image was pretty cool. It's fairly, for me, CG. Mm-hmm. So as you can tell, this has probably just been done on a green screen or something. Yeah, yeah. With maybe the basic costume and the cape and the hair has probably been CG'd for the time being. Mm-hmm. Um, but if this is kind of the concept of how yeah. it will look, I think it will look fairly well. Um, it is, as you say, it comes down to how good she will be. Mm-hmm. You know, The outfit can be amazing, but if you don't believe that performance that she's giving, uh, then... You know, the costume doesn't really matter. Yeah. But, yes, she would be acting-wise on the greener side of things. I think actor-wise, in terms of who's in the Arrowverse, the CW-verse, if anybody's going to be able to guide her, it's going to be the likes of Amel, it's going to be the likes of Gustin, it's going to be the likes of Katie Lotz, you know, yeah. those sort of you know, key important characters uh, in Arrow, in Flash, in Legends. And, you know, there's no better way to probably come into that show uh, than be with all those characters in the crossover. Mm-hmm. So she's getting kind of the best possible start she could do when it comes to stepping into the CWRO-verse. But um, as, as you completely said there, whether this will impact any of the other uh, Arrowverse shows, be it Black Lightning or whether it could be maybe Legends down the line. See, for me, as much as it's, a, like you say, a green screen photograph and all, <clears throat> which is fine, but what I would have preferred is her standing on like a rooftop looking down at the city, but then having the emblems of like Flash, Arrow, Legends, as if to say, and then saying like, I'm, and then even though I had something like come like a speech ball and I'm coming for you. Or something uh-huh. like that. So something to say that's going to tie in to all this. Yeah. You know, like it's something like that rather than it just looks like she's falling off a building instead because that's <laughs> how it looks. It's like she's falling. So, but um, we we shall see. So, um, right. Do you want to take it back to Marvel then? <laughs> uh, yeah, give me two secs. I'll just click on that. Um, no, I'll actually go for this. Um, you can go for the, the Marvel one. Okay. Um, yeah, so this was from Eurogamer.net, which was actually only published today, saying a new feature documentary called The Billion Dollar Game will explore the highs and lows of Rockstar Games' Grand Theft Auto V, tackling the biggest selling video game in US history, which is still selling millions of copies many years after its 20, 2013 release. Wow. The documentary aims to explore the development development of the series by way of archive footage and new interview footage. Uh, UK director Rob Ryan uh, is signed up to direct. Of course, this isn't the first time mainstream media has been interested in exploring behind the scenes at Rockstar North. Daniel Radcliffe, played by co-founder Sam Hauser and Bill Paxson lawyer Jack Thompson, one-off BBC drama The Game Changer, blah, blah, blah. Right now, not much else is known about the project and it's unclear who signed up to participate, but we've reached out to Rockstar for comment. We'll update you when we know more. Now... I enjoy documentaries like this that, yeah. you know, you haven't seen 
<clears throat> things behind it because obviously Grand Theft Auto came in for its fair share of criticism because of obviously the content that's in it and you know we Johnny down the road he's five is playing it because he's driving around and he loves to drive in the cars but it doesn't <laughs> matter that he's running over people or he's got a gun in his hand in the game or whatever so is it something that you would watch or is it something that you'd be like well I wasn't really a fan of the game or I'm a big fan of the game so it's something that I would dip my toe into oh I'm 100% interested these sort of behind the scenes documentary programs I absolutely adore um, be it with movies, be it with TV, be it with video games or whatever. Um, there's a very good one on YouTube that I'd rec- recommend folks go and check out. Um, it's completely free to watch. Um, it's about Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. And it's this completely independent guy goes and has interviews with the whole team, Gorilla and all, over in, um, I think they're based in Amsterdam. And you know, properly goes through the whole concept of things and right through to the end of you know, kind of development of Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. So if we got something like that for Grand Theft Auto, yeah, I would be really intrigued to see how it goes. Now, I enjoyed Grand Theft Auto Five, but I have not had the kind of uh, what you could say the playing life that some others have had yeah. with this game since its debut. I probably haven't played it in probably at least three years oh well god you've got a plethora of updates then for you <laughs> whenever you finish because that's the thing is I, <coughs> I originally played it on uh, PS3 mm-hmm. and I never got the update for PS4 so that's probably maybe part of the reason yeah why I haven't played it for so many it's years it's always one of those games though that always like at the minute I think it's like 23 20 quid but I remember it being like 16 quid on the PlayStation store yes <coughs> excuse me but it is one of those games that like five years on they're still selling it I mean that's just crazy that the fact that people are still buying this game you know like and they're not it's I think it's because of the online side of it that's such a big thing people still come in and buy shark cards in order to like get more money for that side of the game but as much as it's a good game it's very it gets very samey very quickly. It, I don't think it has the character um, of the likes of Vice City or to a certain degree even Grand Theft Auto 4, which for me is kind of... It, uh, it's kind of like not remembered fondly, but I no. still enjoy playing that one. I still enjoy... you oh, know, yeah. like, Grand Theft Auto 4 for yeah, me. Because you want to go bowling. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that sort of... People... It kind of that kind of became like a meme online for stuff that people hated about GTA Four, but I found it one of the funniest things. And way back when, when all three of you, me and Neil, were working in game, mm-hmm. and when those adverts were coming on over the radio <laughs> yeah. in the store, me and Neil having jokes about going, "Oh, hey, cousin," and stuff, and we <laughs> still, we still message each other on our birthdays and say, "Happy birthday, cousin." Want to go bowling? You, you know, <laughs> Want to go bowling? Um, but just because. I don't play the game anymore. The sheer amount of people that are still five years down the line, the only sort of game that can kind of spring to mind for me, and this is just quickly off the top of my head, is like Warcraft. You know, it's yeah. been out for years. Now, yes, it has fairly frequent updates mm-hmm. over the years as time goes, but the amount of money that I've heard batted about that Rockstar makes just on a daily basis through, like you say, shark cards mm-hmm. or whatever for this game they really probably would never need to release another game if they didn't want to 
I think that's why we've waited so long for Red Dead and yeah. there's going to be a couple of years. We're not going to get Grand Theft Auto 6 I until... I at least... I, say, I would say 2023, 2023. I think it's yeah. a decade. Yeah. Since, uh, you know, GTA 5 comes out because that would be sort of kind of nice round number that they've got. Mm-hmm. They've got lots of 10 years out of this game. But then that's what you want. You don't want a game like a FIFA, like a Madden, no. like a Call of Duty that is released every year and every year it's like, oh, this is the same as last year. It's just got mm-hmm. new bells and whistles. If I was in charge of a game company, we would, I would wait for a couple of years, let people play that one and then once they, the demand is there, then oh yeah, go for the next one, you well, know. Kojima and Metal Gear originally was the perfect example of that sort of thing and the amount of time he has, you know, in build up to his release with was it Death Stranding and all yeah that got revealed fairly early in development mm-hmm. and again that kind of links in nicely to the whole Horizon Zero Dawn thing sharing engines together and stuff yeah. like that for their game he's doing that slow build but uh, to kind of get back to the point a behind the scenes documentary of Rockstar and GTA I am all for okay so do you have one is that your last and then I've got I've got that one so I might have two more but we'll keep okay. going here but back into the world of Marvel and the headline from Deadline is Netflix <laughs> knocks out the headline from Deadline wow uh, is Netflix knocks out Marvel's Iron Fist no season three for martial arts series so Deadline exclusive just over a month after its significantly improved second season. I haven't watched it, so I couldn't tell you. I haven't watched it, so I uh, tell Launched on Netflix, the streaming service has delivered a knockout cancellation punch to Marvel's Iron Fist. Uh, Marvel's Iron Fist will not return for a third season on Netflix, said Disney-owned comic giant and the streamer in a joint statement to Deadline today. Everyone at Marvel Television and Netflix is proud of the series and grateful for all the hard work from our incredible cast, crew and showrunners. Marvel and Netflix added, We're thankful to the fans who have watched these two seasons and for the partnership we have shared on this series. While the series on Netflix has ended, the immortal Iron Fist will live on. No, it won't. No, technically. Because uh, you've cancelled it. Um, and I think probably our reaction to this is probably the perfect example of why this sh- show has been cancelled. <coughs> so you've watched The Defenders. So yes. you know what... what what did you think of the character of Danny Rand of Iron Fist? He didn't do much for me at all. I thought he was just a... Out of all of them, he's the one he has probably, you know, one of the best parts, obviously, but Luke Cage, for me, is the best out of four of them. Mm-hmm. But for me, he was just nothing but the whiny, complaining one who then gets kidnapped and all, and you're like, right, that's fine. Like, I watched the first season of Iron Fist, and I think it had 13 episodes. You could have condensed that to five yeah. A lot of the stories were really dragged out and the characters were really bland, no pun intended. Um, you know, with Danny Rand and all this. Danny Rand is Danny, bland. Danny Bland. Um, but yeah, it just did nothing for me. And whenever they said the season two was out, I watched the trailer. Now, I remember hearing reports about, um, obviously you watch the likes of, say, Arrow and how, um, how well choreographed the fight scenes are yeah. and how well done they are. Apparently, from what I read, if that memory serves, was that they were kind of told, right, okay, we have to get this done, that done, that done. And then they would kind of... So the the fights were very slow and very methodical. Yeah. And it wasn't like a fast-paced kind of action thing. 
and I was like, I remember I was watching it and just think, and once you watch Arrow and the the fight scenes in Arrow and Supergirl and Flash, and you're like blows it out of the water like yeah. completely even like Luke Cage and to a certain degree like Jessica Jones those fight scenes in there were more entertaining than Iron Fist I just the character did nothing for me yeah. and I think this is why is the fact that a lot of people just couldn't really care yeah. about him and I think having him in the Defenders if you were to have another person there instead so uh, instead of them you know him or even just the three of them, I think it would be a better idea, to by be the, honest. By the sounds of things, they are fairly open to kind of switching up the roster a bit mm. for like a future Defender series, if they do that. Um, again, I think Daredevil isn't going anywhere. The preview reviews for the first six episodes of season three are coming out very, very positive uh, for Daredevil, um, which is good news because as you kind of mentioned the kind of first half of most Marvel TV series are fairly slow going and plotting not to say that maybe Daredevil isn't going to be at a building pace I think apparently Luke Cage season 2 is the polar opposite yeah it starts strong and finishes weak yeah um, but anything I'm hearing about Daredevil sounds positive but yeah kind of I didn't watch either season of you know, Iron Fist. Well, just like you told me not to watch Men in Black, you're not missing much, so I'll see. <laughs> Thank I'll see you very much. Um, it's odd because, let's go for Defenders here, right? Mm-hmm. See, when I saw Defenders, and this is probably bad, you know, bad news for a show. Obviously, it's been cancelled now. But when I watch Defenders, I have a bit of an idea of Luke Cage through having watched the first season of Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. I know who Jessica Jones is from having watched the first season. I obviously know Daredevil and Matt Murdock from watching both of those series for him. But when Danny Rand rocks up and I'm more interested in the Jessica Henwick character, mm-hmm. based on what I see in Defenders, yeah, that's your problem right there. Mm-hmm. When I am not interested in your main character yeah. for your show, there's a key problem. I suppose if they were to do it, if they were to do another Defender series, they could always take him out and put Punisher into it. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of people wanted the Punisher because of how he was done in Daredevil. I've watched the first couple of episodes of it and it, again, it did nothing for was me. Was Punisher? Yeah. Um, that was that was weird for me because Punisher was when I was looking really forward to it mm-hmm. after his appearances in Daredevil. Yeah. And I don't I need to see him going to building site and working. Kind of, after the first episode, I did walk away from it for a while. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this feels really, really slow. And it is. It is a slow-going one. You don't really get to see him go full-blown, like, Punisher mode until, like, the tail end, like, the very tail end. So it's, the like, the first, it's like the first episode, the first season of Daredevil where you don't see Daredevil until the last yeah, episode. that's a fair comparison. Oh, so right. it is. But, uh, well, uh, we've always said that DC do well on TV and Marvel do well on movies yeah. and I think this still showcases that definitely so, so uh, I won't miss it alright so um, if you are a Playstation player this is from the Playstation blog um, you can maybe change your online ID feature entering Playstation preview programs soon this is posted by Sid Schumann director of social media saying we're happy to announce that we will soon begin testing the long-awaited feature that will allow users to change your playstation network online id from the playstation 4 system the ps4 online id change feature beta which will be a part of the playstation preview program and will be 
become available to select users that are pre-registered as testers blah blah the first change is free and changes after that will cost you 10 us dollars for playstation plus members it will cost five dollars after the first change uh, features compatible ps4 games originally published after april 1st 2018 a large majority of the most played playstation 4 games that were released before this date there's so much more here then the preview program for this feature is scheduled to conclude at the end of november 2018 the full rollout of the f- feature to all ps4 owners is scheduled uh, for early 2019 so stay tuned for updates down the road is it something that you need to change well if this was a case of many moons ago, I would have taken up the option to change the name. Because I think this has been called for since basically the days the PS3 came out. I just don't understand why it's taken so long. I don't, I don't get why it's so hard to finally, you know, done that. We're like doing tons of testing to get this right. It's like, what, what, what needs testing? Yeah. All people should have to do is like go online and go into their account and just type in a wee Dropbox and be like, yeah. Name change, please, if it's available. Thank yeah, it's you. always available on Xbox. Has been since three sixty days. But my original PSN account, mm-hmm. I abandoned, like a year or so into the PS three life because I was like, yeah, that was stupid, you child. <laughs> uh, you know, I can't remember what it was at the time, but whatever. Um, but you know, mine's just my regular name. You know, like it is on Twitter. You know, at Alan G W Price. You yep. know, that's that's my PSN now. Don't all be adding me, please, folks. I don't play online, <laughs> <laughs> so I've been no help to you. Um, but I think it's good that they're finally getting their act together to yeah. do this. If they're planning to charge for it, I think that's a bit cheeky. Um, the way you're talking about some money going in there, but I know well, Microsoft did that. Microsoft, you had to pay what seven quid to change your name, mm-hmm. and that was every time you wanted to do that. So, I think they're doing it. If you're PlayStation Plus member, you're getting it for half the price of what it would be originally. So, right, still a wee bit cheeky, but <laughs> I think a lot of people will probably be taking them up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will in that regard. But it's it's been a key thing that Sony has been lacking. For the better part of, well, when did the PS3 come out? Probably like mid-2000s, wasn't it? Something yeah. like that. So the better part of 12, 13 years, uh, which is baffling. Uh, <laughs> so, and let's just get put this in perspective. We could go down and change our actual physical ga- names before we could change it on our <laughs> PlayStation. This is true. Just We could actually go down and change our names from our names to our PlayStation names before we could actually change them digitally. Yeah. That is scary. It really is. Um, but that just shows that there is still some things that just PlayStation has a little bit of a weakness on. Mm-hmm. Um, in that regard, you know, they've done really well this console generation with the PS4, but that there are just those little things that, for some other reason, they just seem to be a wee bit blind to. Mm-hmm. And that is where they need to be very careful heading into the next generation. I oh, think, yeah, totally. In regards to it. But moving on from video games and into the galaxy of Star Wars, oh. uh, shock horror. Episode Astana. nine, Ryan Johnson's come back to direct. <laughs> shock and horror, uh, us with a new show containing a piece of Star Wars news. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? But it still ties into something we've already talked about with certain actors too. Um. <laughs> um. But courtesy of StarWars.com via John Favreau's Instagram, uh, the Mandalorian first image revealed and director's 
of the episodes also revealed. Mm. So this will be on the Disney streaming service. So it says here, uh, production on the first Star Wars live action streaming series has begun! Exclamation point. Uh, after the stories of Django and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. Uh, the series will be written by, uh, and executively produced by Emmy-nominated producer and actor John Favreau, as previously announced, uh, with Dave Filoni, Star Wars Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, directing the first episode and additional episodes, um, also directed uh, episodes by Deborah Shaw, Jessica Jones, here we go, Rick Famuyua, stumble over that on, well done, uh, Dope, and interestingly enough, Bryce Dallas Howard, um, obviously daughter of Ron Howard and very famous running in high heels from Jurassic World, um, but probably maybe the most exciting bar Dave Filoni mm -hmm. is that the series finale will be uh, Taika Waititi from Thor Ragnarok. Hey, Korg. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the humour of that will be like. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it will also be executively produced by John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Kathleen Kennedy, Colin Wilson, Karen Gilchrist will serve as co-executive producer. Stay tuned to StarWars.com for more updates. And there's the lovely picture of said Mandalorian Yes, yeah. I mean it looks very like he's got a sniper rifle behind him you know like and obviously we've seen the likes of Boba and Django with like little pistols really more than something like that so be interesting to see what happens there um, well let me give you a little snippet because uh, Favreau actually put on his Instagram because mm -hmm. everybody was kind of leaving messages on his Instagram going what's the weapon you know John, that looks really interesting because it's just basically like the butt of a rifle yeah. kind of sticking up above his back. And he posted a full picture of it sitting oh, right, okay. uh, on the set. And apparently, now, I'm not a big uh, cartoon Star Wars watcher in terms of like the old cartoon Christmas special and stuff that where Boba kind of made his first appearance. Oh God, the holiday special the you holiday talking about? The holiday special. Well, <sighs> apparently, it's the weapon he had now. So it's, right. like, so it's like this kind of like sniper thing, but it has like two prongs on the front of it and stuff. Okay. I can't remember the cartoony part of that, so I could be completely wrong, but apparently a lot of folks are kind of going, oh, it's that weapon from the Christmas okay. holiday special, you know, sort of thing. So it is, um, so they're like, is that going to be some sort of connection to, you know, Boba or whatever? Mm -hmm. you know, now, I think it looks fantastic. Now, uh, having listened to actually a few other Star Wars podcasts this week, uh, someone kind of dropped a little bit of nugget of information that kind of knows people in the circles of the show and apparently this the person who's in the suit mm -hmm. for the picture is not the actual actor or anything because they're still casting so right so but, do you want to know who apparently it is uh, Clint Eastwood's grandson well you see who's that, a stuntman that's funny because obviously whenever they were going to put Boba Fett into Star Wars they had a white costume yes and then we, they had somebody in that who wasn't Jeremy Bullock and then obviously Jeremy Bullock played him so yeah that's, that's Clint Eastwood's grounds oh and then with the rifle as well wow so um, but did you hear the rumour of who apparently is going to be the Mandalorian 
Not Daniel Logan. <laughs> no, uh, Pedro Pascal, aka the Red Viper from Game of Thrones. So okay. the boy who gets his head squished. Uh-huh. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, I think that'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good actor. So um, again, this is the news that's kind of shooting around the web. Is his rep came out and denied it. And it's fairly commonly known in Hollywood that if a rep has to come out and deny it, it's usually very true. Okay. So, yeah, it's probably fairly nailed on that Pedro Pascal is potentially going to be this Mandalorian character. Um, but no, I'm really interested. I know that Favreau has always had this interest in kind of the Mandalorian culture and the Mandalorian characters. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Django and Boba are Mandalorians, everybody. Don't shout down the microphone at me now at once. Because uh, Filoni actually... Sorry, not Filoni. Favreau got that on Instagram. Boba and Django aren't Mandalorian. They just have Mandalorian outfit. Um, yes, that's how I send Sabine's like that too. Well, she is Mandalorian. She yeah. is actually Mandalorian. But... Excuse me. But... I think you find it ever so broad. But no, I think this is an interesting enough premise to kind of kick off the Disney streaming service for Star Wars. Yeah, you see, that it's weird because they're saying about the Disney streaming service, they already have one. Yeah. They have the Disney Life app, and then this is a new one that's coming out for this, and other things as well. But, yeah, it's good that we're finally getting a Star Wars live-action TV special, you know, that rather than what we had before, you know, like was all just um, animated stuff. So it's interesting that we're going to get that. Um, I think it'll be maybe next year, if not the year after, before we get it. I think we'll probably not get it until after we've had um, episode nine. nine. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll just wait for that to kind of peter out. And then yeah. it's very much like, you know, we didn't have the trailer for Solo because The Last Jedi was still being talked about and they didn't kind of want to put it in there. So... Again, that was released a month or two before it came out, which was do you know what I, do you know what I could see them do? Is they, they're wanting to launch this supposed new streaming service in 2019. Mm-hmm. What if they just went the whole heap and they just went, right, so episode 9 is out on the X of December and you can then come home from the cinema and The Mandalorian will be waiting for you on your Disney streaming service. That's a good idea. That, that is a good idea or if they were to say as our Christmas present for you we'll give it to you on Christmas Eve I think it would be a very good like thing because it would be that sort of perfect time of year for it mm. as well because you could get a lot of people buying like for the network you can go into the likes of a game or wherever and buy like a gift card yeah. for three months off you know a certain streaming service or whatever so you could probably find a lot of people if it was like pre-announced at Christmas alongside episode 9 coming to cinemas you can watch The Mandalorian. Um, that would be a very nice way to spend Christmas. It would be, yes. To be very honest. Yes, but one final thing then, before we depart. We have talked plenty of Marvel, a sprinkling of DC, but it would be remiss of us not to talk about the kind of extended Aquaman trailer was out okay. this week. Have you seen any of it, Chris? Or I watched some I know, of it. I know some people have kind of wanted to refrain because of its sheer length. Yeah, because it being like, what, well, five minutes? Um, yeah. I watched a, the part wherever they're running across the rooftops. Yeah. And then, because I, I think it came up on Instagram, and then you saw the guy, the, I think, 
obviously like black mantas, cronies or whatever, yes. some guy in a suit crashing through the buildings, um, the buildings and then did it again. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Um, it certainly looks it looks promising. So I'd have um, apart from Wonder Woman, it looks the most invested. Yeah, I've been, but again, like. I don't want to be. Sp- I want to go in and have a feast. I don't want to have like an appetizer beforehand. Yeah. And then go in and go like, oh, actually, I've seen this bit, you know, yeah. and that's why. If you were to half it and go like for two minutes, two and a half minutes, fine. But again, maybe this is giving something to people who are like, ah, oh, well, it's it's DC. Yeah. I'm not bothered. It's Aquaman, you know, butt of all jokes. Whereas women are probably like, well, he could be the butt of my jokes. Hey. Um. Yeah, but I mean, it looks it looks good. Um, I just think that they need to be careful of how much they give people because yeah. it's like like we've said before, it's like giving a trailer away and then you spoiled something of it. Yeah. So this may be a pivotal part in the movie, and then people maybe whenever that comes, it'll be like that's whenever you'll see people going to get more refreshments or stuff, yeah. and, or go to the bathroom or whatever because uh seen this like it was like whenever I think we went to see I think I went to see something in the cinema and they had an extended look at Mad Max Fury yeah. Road and it was about a five or seven minute and I was just like I watched it and I went I, maybe I went with Natalie I can't remember and I was like I have no interest in this film whatsoever if I had <laughs> if I had the fast forward button there that's what You'd it would have be been done it. yeah so or skip you skip trailer you know but I think there's a bit of concern out there in Hollywood at least that they don't want this to become the norm mm-hmm. that movie companies start putting out like these five minute snippets now having watched the full five minutes of it I don't think there's anything in there drastically that is making me go oh, why did you do that you know you have revealed this or you've yeah. shown that or whatever I maybe would have kind of the snippet where they're in like the desert in the Sahara and the kind of there's a whole kind of um, again Indiana Jonesy kind of crypt, <laughs> crypt cavern sort of thing going on there I maybe would have just held that back for the movie and shown what you say the clip with Black Manta and yeah. then you know the action set pieces across the rooftops those sort of things um, for me but I think visually it looks stunning mm-hmm. so it does it's very it looks like something that maybe the Assassin's Creed movie should have done. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because of all the jumping around and hanging on the poles, swinging around and all that kind of stuff. Very much so. Um, I do like the uh, charisma that the characters have. I think uh, Momoa is electric when it comes to kind of playing that kind of cool surfer dude sort of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the visual at the end of the trailer where you get to see him in proper Aquaman outfit is really cool. I completely did not realise that Dolph Lundgren is in this movie. Oh, no, did I? He's like one of the heads of the Seven Kingdoms and stuff like that. So oh, he is. okay. I think he's Mira's dad. Okay. Uh, so he is. So that was a pleasant surprise seeing him in there. But um, it definitely has promise. It has, I'm a lot more interested in this. And that's probably why they wanted to show this kind of a bit of humour in there. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of action in the daytime. Yeah. Because that's again what DC's notorious for doing is oh look a big action set piece against the big CGI baddie at night time mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, and DC's visuals have always been kind of considered the weaker uh, when it comes to against Marvel 
um, but they do look very very strong in here whether there's been a bit more um, real life effects added in when it comes to likes of those buildings taking hits and explosions and all but no um, 100% interested definitely would not like this to see see this become the norm yeah uh, I would not like to say come when's the next Star Wars celebration like what April time or something mm -hmm. I think 2019 when they're ready to do like their first big reveal of episode 9's trailer I wouldn't like them to go here's five minutes you see I enjoy if it was five minutes of behind the scenes stuff mm -hmm. you know the way we, way we normally get a teaser trailer we get a proper trailer we get a behind the scenes trailer and then you have your TV spots we always say that TV spots are something like you're bringing out too many of them yeah you know like fair enough they show a lot of the recycled stuff but there's still something else in there that you haven't seen before so with the likes of the behind the scenes stuff, you know, like whenever you're having J.J. Abrams talking about, you know, Anthony Daniels or whether, you know, this is the last time that I maybe get to work with RTD2 and, you know, something like that, that's fine. Yeah. But whenever you're giving away five minutes of your an hour and a half, two hour long movie, yeah. it's like, no, no. Your five no. minutes is just yeah. pushing it a bit far. But I've only just realised again, there's connections all over the place in this Retroshock News episode because who's Aquaman's dad? Django Fett. <laughs> well, yeah, uh huh. Yeah. I know, yeah, yeah. There's so many connections. That's true. Um, but no, definitely based on what I've seen in this trailer, excited. But uh, let's leave it at that. Yes. DC, let's not push and show too much more, because I would say probably for most, um, I'm not talking for anybody, but I'd say a lot of people would probably prefer to see that shot of him in the proper Aquaman outfit. Mm -hmm. In the cinema. You see, I haven't, I didn't go that far, so I haven't seen it. I've yeah. probably seen photos of it, but I try to just scroll past it. Don't get it. me wrong, really cool shot. Yeah. But it probably would have been best left mm -hmm. on the big screen. Oh, I agree, I agree. But that is it for today, everybody, for your RetroShock news. We hope we have not rambled too much or bored you to tears. We hope you've enjoyed <sighs> our dip oh, into... Wake up, Chris. Oh, sorry. You uh, me to tears. Into uh, nerddom and pop culture with us. Um, it has been quite fun to get back and do one of these Retroshock News episodes because they are so, so easy to just shoot the breeze and discuss all the awesome stuff that both I and Chris enjoy and, of course, hopefully your good selves listening here with us. So, before we uh, leave you and bid you adieu, um, once again, feel free to drop us a message on Twitter at RetroShockPod, be it a regular tweet or a DM if you want to leave us a bit of a longer message or search Operation RetroShock on Facebook. And if you're so inclined, leave us a lovely review on iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn, etc. Any final things to say, Chris? Or no. teases? Uh, no, not really. I do have one bit of little trivia. Whenever you were saying about yes. um, Clint Eastwood's grandson being Mandalorian, right? I was listening to a podcast, and you've seen Transformers la last night. Mm, unfortunately. Yes. You know the bit at the start with the two guys fighting? Right. Do you know who one of them is? Who? Trent Seven. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to a podcast and Jim Smallman. I actually was... remember that now. Now you say that. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that was apparently some guy was over here filming, uh, over in England filming, and saw Trent Seven's photo and said, like, he would be perfect for that. So they got in touch with him and he became part of the movie. I just wanted to say that before we went off air. So, uh, yes, as Alan says, just make sure to leave us a review and things like that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we will have merely more things coming up. We do have um, some ideas, but we don't want to give that away in case we change our mind because that seems to happen a lot. There's, we... there's nothing I hate more than saying, hey guys, we're going to yeah. do this next week and then, unfortunately, something comes up either in a personal life or somebody gets sick, Chris. Mm. Um, I'm sorry. I'm only joking. Um, just anything can happen in life and I hate to make a promise yeah. and not follow through with it. So uh, we will keep you uh, on the edge of your seat as to what will be coming next. That's very dramatic, I think. You are on um, the edge of the seat there, I can say so. I actually am. Yeah. But uh, that has been episode 127 of Operation Retroshock, a little taste of Retroshock news. We hope you've enjoyed, and we will see you all next time. Say bye-bye, Chris. Goodbye, and see you all soon. Well, I'll not see you, but... Um, They'll hear you. Yes. Um, Bye. Bye then.